Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is SAP's podcast series in which we'll talk about the difference that open source can make. In each episode, we'll talk to a different expert and we'll talk to them about why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hoage, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to two people at once. Let's see how this turns out. We'll welcome Vasu Chandrasekara and Tim Usner, who will tell us about Project Gardner. Tim started as a business software developer and changed to the Gardner project in 2018. He's passionate about open source. Um, he loves to see the project evolve every day, thanks to a growing and contributing community. Wazoo started his first job at SAP as a technology consultant. He initiated the Gardner project and is uh, in all ways, at all occasions, an advocate for open source within the company. So, Tim, Vazu, usually we only have one guest. Welcome. Why do we have the two of you? Maybe I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, Vazu. Um, Essentially, Carsten, I thought it would be nice not only to hear from my perspective now, I'm now more of an evangelizer of, uh, uh, in a business development role um, in the context of Project Gardner, but I wanted to have somebody who's from the machine room who really can tell about how the discussion happens in pull requests on GitHub and so on. That's why uh, I invited also Tim. Okay, great. Then let's say hi to Tim and maybe start Tim off with uh, the first obvious question. We hope, of course, uh, with the guy from the machine room, we will dig a lot deeper than in some of the previous episodes of this podcast here, where it was a lot about open source processes. Tim, let's start with a simple one. The what is question. What is Gardner? Yeah, hi Carsten. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, what is Gardner? Gardner is a Kubernetes cluster as a service solution. And with it, end users get fully managed Kubernetes clusters on various infrastructures. Um, yeah, the whole project is available and developed in the open source space. And at SAP, Gardner managed clusters are used to run all sorts of containerized workload, for example, business platform services. So we are basically abstracting between the business platform by SAP and or somebody else uh, and a Kubernetes infrastructure. Is that right, Tim? Not just an abstraction. It's more an enablement of Kubernetes-based environments at SAP. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll understand even better in the process of the podcast. Um, in the first place, though, after a rough introduction of what is Kubernetes, now, SAP usually builds business software. Vazu, how did SAP get involved into something like Gardner? Well, I think I have to give a little bit of a quick history uh, as a background. You know, you know, sometimes uh, around uh, 2013, something interesting happened. Obviously, uh, SAP uh, was also noticing and also was experimenting with something that, that came up uh, around the containers, with Docker specifically. And um, when you look at uh, Docker back then, that usage of containers was still mentally somewhat disconnected from a topic which we call the distributed systems domain, like, like systems like Hadoop and Mesos. And what, what, what changed um, around this mindset was when 
orchestrators around containers came, up, uh, came about, like Docker Swarm, Nomad, and especially when Kubernetes was launched. And when, when Google actually launched Kubernetes in, in a neutral foundation called the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, um, under the auspices of, of, of the Linux Foundation, you know, um, it became very clear that there will be a huge pull for this technology internally and externally, you know, for, for cloud native environments and, and all kinds of tooling from, from, from this cloud native uh, ecosystem. That, that's why we essentially knew that Kubernetes would be a big thing also for business software. And that's when we entered. Okay, so uh, Kubernetes was obvious to become the distributed cluster approach, but which problems did we need to solve that brought Gardner about? Okay, let me take this one. Um, and let me maybe begin with the start of our journey. So in 2017, a small team at SAP started to experiment with all Kubernetes. And uh, as you already said, so by that time, uh, it already had promising features and it gradually turned out to be the de facto standard to manage containerized uh, workload. And what that team also noticed was that deploying and managing Kubernetes clusters is a tough and sophisticated challenge. So um, this is where also a lot of evaluation of already existing cluster managers happened. And of course, we also had offerings from the commercial vendors at our disposal. But they did not cover many of our crucial and immediate requirements. So we opted eventually for building it ourselves. And I can tell you that was not a light decision um, because right from the start, we knew that we would need to cover thousands of clusters across the globe on all kinds of infrastructures. And the service as well as the end user clusters must scale, of course. And we would need to automate 100% of all aspects because otherwise, as you can imagine, our TCO would uh, still explode. So um, with that endeavor, uh, crew into launching the project Gardner. And its mission statement in a nutshell is uh, universal Kubernetes at scale, which is at the same time a quite bold statement, isn't it? So, um, but we also had a nitty, nifty little secret that helped us along the way. And uh, we can openly lift that secret here. So Project Gardner was not only built to create Kubernetes at scale, but it was also built in Kubernetes. Okay, and uh, being built in Kubernetes means what in the end? Built in Kubernetes means that we use Kubernetes to manage Kubernetes clusters. That is also something often referred to as Kubeception. So uh, Gardner is one of the early adopters of this, uh, of this concept called Kubeception. Okay, um, and with that approach in the end, like all that uh, Gardner set out to solve, uh, would you say it's it's doing that? Maybe Bazoo uh, is is are we kind of answering to all the market and technical challenges uh, that we perceived? Well, internally at SAP, we're using Gardner uh, to to create work areas and infrastructure on various different providers and business software, which is written net new on, on Kubernetes is making use of Gardner. And so we have validated it internally. 
and we're also exposing that as an open source project. So um, that that's one of the nice things because here we have the ability to actually get into a conversation with our large customers and with the open source community uh, to do co-innovation, to see what other requirements uh, other people have with respect on managing Kubernetes at scale. Okay, so uh, you said we can get into a dialogue with uh, our large customers here. So something like Kubernetes is mostly targeted at large organizations. Is that right? Uh, not only a large organization, but in, in respect to if you look at what um, uh, what Gartner does, uh, you know, it's about management uh, at scale of these infrastructure uh, components. If you only have one or two clusters and if you are, uh, in, you know, in, in an environment that is quite homogeneous from the start with, then um, I think you wouldn't need maybe Gardner uh, per se. But the moment you have three clusters and you have them across various infrastructures like AWS, an internal data center, Ali Cloud, um, Azure, uh, Google, and OpenStack, and VMware. So there's a bunch of infrastructures which we essentially abstract away. Then Project Gardner is really your friend. And we see that actually that uptake in, in our open source community as well. There are some um, members in the community who have nothing to do with, with SAP software, which is quite interesting and refreshing to see as well. Okay, and how would they get into all this if they don't primarily have to do anything with SAP? Project Gardner in the beginning does not have anything particular to do with SAP or SAP business software. It's a it's a uh, it's a cloud native Kubernetes management tool um, that can be used in any type of context. So we see an uptake uh, in our community of startups which essentially have uh, the same challenges around creating homogeneous clusters across different environments to make them secure, and that's essentially what Gardner offers. Okay, okay, uh, that was maybe my bad uh, that I didn't quite understand that at first, but it was maybe also good to point that out again, that it's not at all necessarily specific to SAP, what Gardner does. Um, some of the things you said made me think, now Gardner clearly seems to solve a problem that quite a few people, quite a few organizations out there have. Um, we usually do things in a proprietary way. Now, especially if this solves the real existing problems, why are we doing this open source? First of all, I, I think you, you can say it's about the recognition of the power of open source. Yeah? So, yes, the Gardner team, when, when working with Kubernetes, immediately profited because Kubernetes and, and all its ecosystem projects and code was was created and uh, uh, open source as well, yeah, and 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 that facilitated that our project became very fast and 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 the development was was quite robust because we were standing on the shoulder of uh, of other projects. But as you mentioned, this, this does not answer why would SAP's uh, open source a tool that clearly solves uh, an enterprise requirement? Yeah, but and again, th there's a spoiler alert. Um, when I and we initially initially argued for for uh, creating the project also as open source, it's 
undeniable, I, I guess, that developers and, and, and with them the entire industries um, gravitates towards towards open source. You know, we, we choose Linux, we chose containers and Kubernetes exactly because they're open and, 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 and we could bet on the network effect, especially around skills. I mean, Tim mentioned that we built Gardner uh, not only to manage Kubernetes, but we built it using Kubernetes. The way how we decided upon doing Project Gardener in Kubernetes and so on is currently replicated at thousands of companies, yeah, um, and and most of them also our customers with the same res result, because you know all companies are currently digitally transforming. They're becoming to a certain extent software companies as well. And, and uh, in, in many discussions we, we had, we recognized that they, they, they have the same challenges uh, that we are solving with Gardner. And, and this was, was uh, in essence, a key eye-opener. Yeah? And our leap of faith was that, essentially, if we develop Gardner in open source, we would be able to have completely different conversations with our customers. Um, and, and, and precisely with... Uh, anybody interested and we just had to put a strategy around this core belief and coincidentally if, if you look up for that that was essentially also the same timing when the open source program office was also launched as well and uh, yeah and, and last not least uh, you know um, SAP uh, and this was an advantage for us you know differentiates with business processes and planning software so uh, on top, uh, on top of the layer, what what Gardner uh, actually does. So we made the case to develop Gardner completely as open source, and that not only opened the gates uh, for adoption, but also for co-innovation and feedback loops directly in code. Okay. Um I want to jump back a little bit in what you said, Vasu. Uh, you, you said uh, the whole world is seeing that the gravitation for developers basically goes towards open source. Now, we have Tim here with us uh, as the, as the hands-on guy. Can you confirm that? I can definitely confirm that. So uh, as a developer, uh, also the Kubernetes project shows what was only possible to achieve with Gardner uh, with Kubernetes as being the open source project, right? So um, I, I talked a little bit about the Cubeception model and I, I guess that um, never had occurred if uh, Kubernetes wouldn't be open source at all because you have that huge community, you have, uh, uh, you have that, that huge amount of know-how that's available, a lot of uh, people you can talk to uh, that are open towards your technical concerns, technical questions, and also, of course, technical ideas um, help you with your implementation and you strive towards a common goal. And I think this is also something that Vasu uh, brought to the table. So that common goal um, is, uh, is of course, a common goal of different uh, organizations, companies, uh, even individuals. And we all worked uh, on, on the very same projects to achieve this goal, right? So uh, you have full manpower, full knowledge, and from different companies, different aspects. And this is only possible in the open source world as I experienced it. Okay, and more specifically, maybe also to you now, Tim, uh, from a developer perspective, um, why, what's like, if you were not 
seeing the world from within Gardner, but basically as a user of Gardner. Why would you use something like Gardner? Why would you use Gardner instead of something else? Um, and what exactly is your, as a developer's, benefit from Gardner? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Gardner solves a really common challenge, I would say, uh, or, uh, yeah, a, a common and tough challenge. So, what, 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 what does it relieve you of? Like, what do you not have to take care of anymore with Gardner around? So, Gardner is not bound to any specific infrastructure provider. And um, all the different infrastructure Gardner covers with its extensions um, is treated in a really homogeneous way. So, let me maybe explain from a technical point of view what you get with Gardner. So, um, Simply put, Gardner offers you a, van a vanilla Kubernetes cluster on various infrastructures or hyperscalers. And uh, also VMware is covered as well as OpenStack. We have bare metal with MetalStack.io and even further providers like Telecom, OVH, Equinix packets and so on, you name it. And uh, what Gardner does, it, it takes care about the day one and day two operations for these clusters. Uh, which means that Gardner is not only capable of provisioning or deprovisioning thousands of clusters, but also observes and auto-heals your clusters if necessary, upgrades components in a rolling fashion, for instance, if there's a new uh, Kubernetes or Worker OS version available, and scales different aspects of your clusters, for example, the control plane, but also the worker nodes up and down, depending on the workload you put on that very same cluster. So it gives you all these kind of managed features. And um, the interesting point here is also from a technical point of view that these features might sound familiar to one that already uh, that already worked with Kubernetes. Because you said that Gardner itself is built on Kubernetes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so features like the rolling updates, self-healing, auto-scaling, these are all features already implemented by Kubernetes. And we thought, hey, why not take advantage of these features and manage uh, the Kubernetes clusters with Kubernetes itself, as I said, uh, called also Kubeception. So let me do an example, because this sounds uh, kind of abstract. Uh, so if you are in a Gardner Kubernetes, in a Gardner-managed Kubernetes cluster, you'll never see the master components of, these, uh, of this Kubernetes cluster. For example, the Kube API server, the Kube controller manager, and so on. And why is that? Because these, uh, these, these components are provided as a service to you, hosted inside another Kubernetes cluster, which we call, by the way, a seed cluster. And actually, a seed cluster can host hundreds of other control, control planes of other clusters. And uh, on top, further assets like the backing machine of your worker node are modeled as a Kubernetes resource in that seed cluster again. So bottom line, we take advantage of all the great features of Kubernetes uh, for managing further Kubernetes clusters. And um, Another important feature from Gardner, uh, from the technical point of view, is that even though Gardner brings the, these Kubernetes clusters to the various infrastructures, it only uses the very basic resources of these infrastructure providers or um, infrastructures, like 
VMs, routers, load balancers, etc. And thus you can really quickly extend the scope of supported providers. And the user experience is very homogeneous at the same time, no matter where the cluster runs. And on top of that, Gardner also exposes these cluster services that I just talked about via an API in the form of an aggregated API server, as well as uh, a web UI for your fleet management. Okay. Uh, I hope there are some developers listening out there because I, you lost me there in uh, some places, uh, but uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of people listening will have caught a lot uh, they can benefit from. My simple understanding is, as a developer, I just don't have to worry about my infrastructure provider anymore. Um, Vazu is laughing. Uh, yeah, maybe I can take a little bit of a, of a different viewpoint. You know, remember, you know, Kubernetes uh, for, 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 for whatever workload on top is not the end goal. It, it must serve a purpose for, for users or stakeholders. And, and, and you know, um, with, with, with Gardner, we ensure that this purpose is, is mainly highly safeguarded with, with technical means, you know. And, and, and maybe and the other way to look at it, you know, uh, is, is like, imagine you're, you're a business team, you've, you've created a modern, solid cloud native application or service, you know, fully scalable in containers, you yeah? And now you've got that running and, and uh, all of a sudden from, from your business requirements say, oh, you've got it running on AWS, you, but you also have to uh, get it running on AliCloud because of China or on Azure or whatnot or on-premise, uh, you know. And then you, you as your development team did everything to ensure that, that the workload is containerized and portable as much as possible. But now this challenge to, to go from provider to, to another uh, is, is actually quite difficult because all of a sudden, you know, you have dependencies in infrastructure, uh, not, not with respect to, um, to, to, uh, um, to, to the differences of machines and so on, but the version of Kubernetes, the, uh, the, the roadmap, the dep uh, deprecation plan and so on. So you you have to manage that all of a sudden and uh, or 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 otherwise you're completely dependent on the roadmap of of someone else's uh, who's providing you that and so and if you if you think about it uh, if you if you had to uh, all of a sudden qualify your your um, product on different types of of managed kubernetes offerings and we've done this and we've experienced this at SAP already, your total cost of development will explode. And, 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 and therefore, with Gardner, you get a single pane of glass to roll out homogeneous clusters. You are in control of your version. You can, you can do your conformance testing. You have a single roadmap across all of the provided, uh, provided, provided uh, supported providers. And last but not least, uh, let, me, let me also say, this is not something we are observing, but we are also seeing this in, in the cloud native ecosystem that, that people who have serious business workloads running on Kubernetes will say, oh, um, having the managed control plane behind an opaque wall which, where you don't have control anymore, 
is a little bit of problematic uh, is a little bit problematic so serious workloads need some type of an access shared access and visibility uh, and and with all the tuning options of the control plane to safeguard the service so like if i want to create a short answer uh, like i sometimes do that uh, for myself uh, from what you're saying Hazu, that is what first looks like solving developer issues also solves uh, quite large business uh, questions as in being more flexible with your infrastructure provider not being as locked in not being as dependable on versions of uh, whatever etc um let's maybe turn to another perspective here um we've now talked about the use of gardner on top of kubernetes um, how about contributions? I mean, this sounds like this is not like just one service or something. Uh, sounds like a, at least halfway, if not very complex project. How difficult is it to participate? Gardner is squarely located in a domain where infrastructure, uh, cloud networking and Linux knowledge and probably more meat. So um, that's exactly the domain knowledge of uh, of a Kubernetes or of a common Kubernetes admin, I would say, or a DevOps and or somebody working in an SRE role. And yeah, here's also the funny thing. And as you remembered, I, I said or we lifted our nifty secret that Gardner was built on Kubernetes. And well, that equation even continues um, because the Gardner architecture matches Kubernetes in many areas. For example, uh, Kubernetes has a Kube API server, Gardner has a Gardner API server. Um, for Same for the scheduler, the controller manager, and Kubelet, which we call the Gardenlet. Um, and in, in essence, uh, if you understand the Kubernetes uh, architecture and the Kubernetes way of, of solving things, you immediately understand Gardner. And so that, for, ex for example, means if you have the skills uh, in Kubernetes uh, and know the concepts of controllers, CRDs, watches, finalizers, deployments, all the different uh, Kubernetes native objects, and so on, you can uh, easily transfer to the Gardner world and start contributing uh, actually to Gardner. Yeah, and um, so this is not only theoretically spoken, but this also uh, is exactly the feedback that we got from many community members who already contributed to Gardner. Okay, get it. That sounds like an approach. If you've understood Kubernetes, go start work with Gardner, right? So, what's currently the most active uh, subject in the in the community around Gardner, or where do you see the most active contributions? <laughs> Maybe I, I can take that, uh, Tim. Even though you're in on a day-to-day -day basis working with them, I think. Um, you know, um, in the beginning, when we started the community, we we really had experts uh, in the field joining joining our community. They did they didn't need much documentation and so on. They could read the source code. But what we're seeing now, and what is most active um, in the sense, is that you know new people are coming in, and that the first question they have is, how do I set this up? Yeah, it's about the installer and about documentation, and. Um, and you know, um, the, even, even though you, uh, these beginners are maybe into Kubernetes and then can easily transfer the skills into Gartner, and if, if that happens, all complexity falls into place. Um, 
but uh, and you, and you can kind of make the connections yourself but but beginners that now are joining the community without much prior knowledge you know they they have a quite a high ramp up i, I, I would say of, no, of knowledge and and that's a pain point you know and uh, our experts you know directly ask questions uh, about documentation not being up to date and 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 so on and that's that's i would say um is is where we are uh, seeing active community discussions and so on if if we were a startup i guess we would have prioritized you know the full fledged uh, installation experience with a ui with documentation at first but we kind of prioritize as a good old german company uh, with on the fu- on the functionality that you get with gardner and now we need to catch up that that is one part and uh, the thing is that we are reinventing the way how uh, um, how we're setting things up because within sap we do development we have a pipeline and and we transport all the deltas and changes from development to quality to production and and that is currently being reinvented. In the last community call, um, sometime in, in the summer, we gave an overview of what we are building there. It's it's called the landscaper, and with this tool, we we will we we want to make that available uh, to to our community. Um, we'll not be able to only install a full gardener landscape, but we will be able to streamline patches, updates, and upgrades uh, w- with the landscaper. Into foreign environments, into into you you can basically attach yourself to our release train, and that's I guess currently the most active subject. Uh, there are many other uh, aspects like spot instances and and ARM support and uh, and so on at the fringes. But uh, yeah, I'd say that is the most active thing, uh, which also is connected to our adoption uh, question. Okay, speaking of uh, participating. Where do people go as a first stop that are interested in Gardner? Yeah, very good question. So a good place to start is our website, of course, gardner.cloud, where you can find further documentation, articles, blog posts, links, etc. So this is the, the single point of contact, I would say. Um, then, of course, we have the Gardner organization on GitHub. It's uh, github.com slash Gardner. And there you can find various sub-projects uh, for, for the whole Gardner project, um, which is especially interesting for people who want to try out Gardner. There's a, a project called Garden uh, Setup. And this is a simple yeah, setup routine, which helps you to set up your garden uh, garden environment in your very own infrastructure or with your very own infrastructure accounts. And last but not least, uh, we have, of course, different communication channels. Uh, the links are also on the web page, of course, but I especially want to mention that we are on Slack in the public Kubernetes workspace. The channel is called hashtag Gardener. So um, a lot of uh, yeah, peers are there available as well and happy to answer your questions and collaborate with you, of course. And we have a bi-weekly community meeting uh, for which we are always always happy to see new attendees. So yeah, um, eventually looking forward to meeting you there. Maybe to also mention that in the GitHub organization of Gardner, there are a couple of projects, sub-projects, which are used by community members 
without Gardner, like the DNS manager or the the, the uh, backup uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, backup component for etcd. Uh, there are members who are using or community members who are using those components without using the full-fledged Gardner. Okay, great. Then let's leave it at that because, as I said, uh, we try to stay in a little bit of a predictable time frame here with the podcast. Uh, so um, what is usually my last question is if you could wish for three things for people to take away from this podcast, the three key takeaways, which three would it be? Maybe you want to take turns. I don't know how you want to do this, Tim Bazu. I guess the takeaway one, I would say, it's about uh, open source having reached the boardroom. I mean, uh, it becomes very clear open source even is, is not anymore uh, or was never about just using freely available libraries, components or tools, you know, to optimize your own software production. Open source is strategic. It has reached also our boardroom. It's about getting into a new kind of conversation with your customers, I'd say. And maybe I'll, I'll do number two as well, in my, in my opinion. Uh, you know, um, Gardner and, and what we're doing currently with open source is about solving concrete challenges by co-innovation. Because open source, in my opinion, uh, you know, democratizes the innovation process. Because now, all of a sudden, users of a particular product or service, you know, uh, they 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 vote and decide increasingly for open source variants, such as with with Project Gardener, um, because that allows them to freely innovate and 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 solve their concrete challenges and by developing exactly what they require, because the code is now open. It's it's all there, and this is this is all of a sudden a user centric process that that has tremendous advantages. Um, it clears out the middlemen, and uh, yeah. Lastly, if 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 others start using and contributing to 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 your innovation that you put out there, uh, it allows you to secure your investments for the long term. So point three is left, and I'm happy to take this point, of course, um, addressing especially the developers, operators, but also end users of Gardener. So. Uh, I clearly want to point out that Gardner solves problems by applying Kubernetes and Kubernetes principles itself. And uh, especially developers and operators who are familiar with Kubernetes, uh, they, they will notice this concept and uh, they can contribute by the way. They will understand the Gardener. They don't have to learn any special uh, knowledge, any, any anything special we brought up. It's all about Kubernetes eventually. And that's... Uh, a really key takeaway if we use Gardner and develop for it. Nice final words there. Um, so at this point, I thank you again, Vazu. I thank you again, Tim. It was great to have you here. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Carsten. All right. And thank you all out there for listening to The Open Source Way. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Don't miss the next one in around two weeks and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, in all your regular podcast channels. And uh, you will hear from us again. <laughs>